I had to sprint up here. I was watching it. I was watching the, the announcements. I'm like, man, this is really good. And I'm like, hey, I'm supposed to be up there preaching. <laughs> good morning, everyone. Good morning to Maple Grove. Would you give it up for Maple Grove as well this morning? So exciting to be in church and to worship with friends and uh, to experience the joy of the Lord and not do it alone. Hey, there's just something about hearing someone else's voices next to you and sometimes it drowns out the bad voices too, but you can worship. Some of you are shower singers. You sing perfectly in the shower. And, uh, and you can come to church, too, and you can worship Jesus, and somebody else will sing even if you're not on key. And uh, it's a good place to come and, and to worship him. Hey, last week was just powerful, and I watched as you brought family and friends, and I saw whole rows of families and getting together to worship. And then, of course, perhaps you had meals afterwards and connected with people. I just want to say as a pastor, thank you for investing in Easter, not only for yourself, but for those that are around you. I think it's a good principle for us to live our lives that way. Church isn't just for me, right? Church isn't just for you, it's for the people God wants us to reach around us. That's a part of our mission statement here at Emmanuel. And uh, I was just, I was blown away as I saw many people just experiencing worship. God planted seeds during a service. Some people raised their hands and gave their life to Christ. Others, we received texts this week as we did a new uh, uh, effort where uh, people are responding and perhaps they gave their life to Jesus. They can text new life to 313131. And, and we had dozens of those come in as people responded that way. And man, I couldn't have imagined that, you know, 15 years ago. That was pager era. You know, and, uh, and just to see and experience that. And then this last Wednesday, uh, we had Alpha again on both of our campuses. And Alpha's kicking into gear. And we had our first week. And there's room for more. And uh, if you're here and you're still curious about Jesus and you want to have a kind of a safe place to ask your real authentic questions, no questions, a bad question, in Alpha, I want to encourage you to sign up for Alpha after the service in both of our lobbies. And uh, it's just every Wednesday night for a number of weeks. You have an opportunity to just explore Jesus a little more. And if you have friends or family or neighbors or people you know that are curious about Jesus, it's still time to invite your friends to show up for Alpha. I think it's a big deal. And so I watched all of that, and then I stood back and I just recognized this is how Jesus works. Jesus works through his people. And when Jesus died, he said, I have to go away. And the reason I have to go away is so that the mission could spread. And as the mission spread through the first disciples and then went throughout the earth over the many uh, hundreds, now thousands of years since Jesus was on the earth, the power of the story of the gospel is moving forward through people like you. Turn to the person next to you and say, thank you. <laughs> thank you for letting the gospel go through the people that are around us in our life. Today, we are starting a brand new series. So you believe in Jesus, now what? Some people might say, so what? But I would say, you believe, but what's the next thing? And uh, you know, there's a lot of people that momentarily believe in something. They believe in a candidate for a few weeks that's running for president. Or they believe in a certain, you know, uh, new thing that they get in the drive-through and it's their new jam, you know. They really love that. There's, there's many things people get behind. Belief is actually a powerful thing because it, it does something to us. Belief is so powerful that it initiates movement into things that lack belief would shut down. And so as we come off of Easter weekend, we recognize we can believe in the power of a risen Savior in Jesus himself. But that belief needs to fuel us into something. And uh, the title of the message today is, What 
would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? And we'll talk about that in just a few moments. Belief is a fuel to further exploration, contemplation, and activity. Not just with Jesus, but in everything. Think about romantic relationships. When uh, I first liked Jody, uh, there was a point in the journey when uh, I didn't know if she liked me. But as soon as I got the first clue that she liked me, how many know I was ready for the next step? And so it fueled my belief in her and the possibility of love. It pers- I, I just did things. I, I pursued her and I spent money and uh, money I didn't have. And... Uh, <laughs> Did a whole lot of things, but we do that with a whole lot of things. We do that with careers. When we get an idea that we can do something, that perhaps our skilled labor could be used for employment, or, or we get an idea that we can pursue a particular career, we're willing to, to go into education and give up four years or six years or some of us ten years of our lives just for to pr- pursue a career. So belief has the power to do a lot of things, and whatever we believe will fuel what we do. Whatever we believe will fuel what we do. And that has been proven throughout history in so many different ways, even in the United States, as Abraham Lincoln believed that it it was not right that people were not considered uh, equal or full citizens. And he was concerned about the slavery in the South of, uh, in the United States. And he believed it wasn't right. His belief fueled a pursuit in which there was much pain and much sacrifice. And there was a civil war over it. But then we became one nation where everyone can, can have an opportunity to be free. Amen? Of course, he gave up his life for that, just like Martin Luther King did. But then that belief fueled what he did. That belief, not everyone was behind him, but he believed in it so strongly that eventually everyone got behind him. Then you look at people in history like Hitler in Germany, and Hitler had an ability to control the beliefs of a group of people in the nation of Germany. And he caught, he got, he got people to believe that if they would ostracize certain portions of the culture around them and uh, uh, put them into communities and ghettos and eventually concentration camps, people that were the other groups, the other ethnic groups, the Jews and outsiders, if you could get hatred pointed at them, he, he could rally the nation behind him. But the people that were rallying behind him believed that they would have a better life themselves if they followed what he said. That was a, a belief system gone wrong. So belief can actually take you down a good path or it can take you down a bad path. How many are thankful that belief in Jesus takes you down the right path? It's the narrow road, but it's the right journey. When it comes to following Jesus, belief introduces us to an expanded universe of possibilities that we couldn't access before we believed. The best example of the transformation of what it means to believe in Jesus and follow him were his disciples. As he chose a group of people, he would walk up to them wherever they were in their lifestyle, in their journey. He would walk up, he would build the friendship with them, and then he would walk away and he'd say, come and follow me. And he did that with a number of disciples, and then there were uh, larger categories of people that also followed him. But he chose people from every walk of life, and he went and said, come and follow me. They began to believe in him, and then they went on a journey of knowing him, and then after knowing him, they changed the world. People that were the, like the adulterous woman who Jesus said, go and sin no more, or Nicodemus who came to him in the middle of the night, 
and he was able to uh, hear, hear about being born again in John chapter 3. Or Matthew, the tax collector, who aligned himself with the hated government of that age. Jesus still went after him. Jesus went after Mary and Martha because, listen, Jesus, even though the culture said don't, that w women don't have a place, Jesus believed in women. And Jesus spent time taking care of people. And, and he went after fishermen and revolutionaries that actually wanted to start a revolution against the nation. Jesus went after all of them, and they received his invitation, and then they began to follow him. Only they didn't follow him like some of you follow people on Twitter. They followed him with their life. And I want you to turn with me to Mark chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out electronically. The old-fashioned paper Bible. You know what I like about the paper Bible, by the way, in church? There's not opportunity for distractions, right? ESPN is not right around the corner, nor is Facebook. Mark chapter 3, verse 13. It says, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. And they came to him. And then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. And they were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. And these are the 12 he chose. This is what I love about the list. Simon, whom he named Peter. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but Jesus nicknamed them sons of thunder. How many of you like to get a nickname from Jesus, <laughs> right? Andrew and Philip and Bartholomew. I think Bartholomew needed a nickname. It's a long name to spell. Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, Judas Iscariot, who later betrayed him. And what I love you see in this story is you see Jesus going and calling out people. And he calls them from every walk of life. And he calls them from every age and stage of our journeys. And he calls them first to himself. And then he sends them out. Now you see a process of change with people when they follow Jesus, when they spend time with him. And at the end, when Jesus actually died and was resurrected and was ascended into heaven, these same people turned the world upside down. They changed the world. Judas was a part of the story. Of course, he didn't get to change the world later on. But every one of them changed the world. This is what I want you to catch. Jesus would do the same thing with us as what he did with his disciples. He would call out your name and say, come and follow me. And many of us, we remember the moment that Jesus first whispered our name. How many of you remember when he started stirring you? And he talked to you. You didn't deserve it, neither do I. But he called out your name, and then you responded. On the count of three, say your first name. One, two, three. Yes. Now, that just sounds like to me. But to Jesus, he knows each and every person. You are special. You are unique. He made you the way he wanted you to be, and he likes you. He's deeply interested in you. He was there in your mother's womb, shaping and forming you. He's interested in you. Some of you are like, well, I don't like me. I don't like what I see when I look in the mirror. Well, then you aren't hearing what Jesus thinks about you. Jesus likes you. 
He sees you and he notices you and you are special. Tell the person next to you, say, you are special. <laughs> now, when Jesus comes after people, the thing that he did with these people is what he wants to do with us. And let me give you three things that they did with Jesus that we must learn to do. The first is this. They spent time with Jesus. Now, this is an interesting thought, but those disciples actually went with Jesus everywhere he went for three years. Now, we can, we can see some of the stories in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We can see some of the stories in the interactions. Some of those guys actually wrote some of the Gospels. But they spent time with him. Did you know Jesus is not just a, a proclaimer of truth? He's not a preacher just yelling at people all the time but doesn't really get, want to get to know anybody. He actually liked to hang out with people. Can you imagine sitting down for dinner with Jesus? Please pass the salt. Yes, Jesus. <laughs> Can you imagine sitting down at the, at the fireplace with Jesus? Can you imagine just going with him? Now, they spent time with Jesus, and they learned to like him, know him, and love him. And relationship moves like that. You first start with an introduction. Then you move to a place of relationship over time. Then you really get to know the people. And then that's when love becomes a part of the story. Relationships are built through shared experiences. You get to know people over time with many experiences. Last night, Jody and I and our boys went to the Kirk Franklin concert here in town. And some of you that are cheering know that Kirk Franklin is one of the greatest musicians of all time. And others of you are like, who's Kirk Franklin? I don't know. But Kirk Franklin's been a part of my life story for a long time. Someone asked the question, why do we sing when we lift our hands to Jesus? Why do we... Well... And uh, so we're in this concert, right? And uh, uh, Pastor Mark, Pastor John Carlos, Pastor David Bell... And their spouses, we were all together, my wife and I, and then four of my son or three of my sons, and, and we were we we decided let's go to dinner together beforehand. So we went to a restaurant and we had this big table, it was pretty awesome. And we're just sharing stories and talking together. And let me tell you what happened. It wasn't about just the concert last night, it was about doing life together with our friends. And we got all got to know each other a little bit more last night throughout that concert. We shared stories, we talked together, and then we got up and we got to go to three hours worth of glory. And uh, we got to sing, and you know, I was loving every song, and maybe, you know, some of you guys don't know me, but that's more my native, uh, I'm in my rhythm under a Kirk Franklin concert, so you know they're doing, melodies from heaven, Rain down on me, rain down on me. Come on, sing it. Melodies from heaven. No, See, I want to go there right now. And there was freedom in the house, and then we went home. But let me, let me tell you what. Uh, about six months from now, six months from now, I will remember the concert, but the relationships that I have with our worship pastors and their families, my sons, and Stuart was there with us. He's one of our staff as well. The relationship we built will be with us, and we just took another step together. 
You see what I'm saying? So if you want to get to know Jesus and spend time with him, you've got to have shared experiences with him. It can't just be to hear a proclamation on a Sunday morning. It's got to be just a little bit more than that. It's got to enter your Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Fridays and Saturdays. Can I get a witness in the house today? I, I got other songs coming in my head. Number, number two, they, they, they spent time with Jesus. Secondly, they... The more they were with Jesus, the more they became like him. In other words, there was something that happened as Jesus, as they walked with Jesus and spent time with him, they became the disciples of Jesus. He was their teacher, and he didn't just teach them lessons. He, they became like him. And friends, that's what a disciple is. A learner who becomes like their teacher. Third thing. Even when Jesus was gone, they lived like him. So whatever they experienced was not only for the time period that they were with Jesus on the earth, but it lived with him long after he left. It was as if the, it, there was a divine restaurant that they experienced Jesus, and they are asked before they left, is this for here or to go? And it was to go, right? It was something that went with them throughout their entire lives. What they learned was for the long haul. You see, his followers moved beyond belief, beyond the initial belief in who he is. And today I want to challenge everyone under the sound of my voice to move beyond belief. Believe, but become a follower. Hear the call to be his follower, his disciple. Consider spending time with him. Know that you will change as you follow him, and he will send you out one day. Now, following Jesus is more than observing something like we do on Twitter or Facebook, Instagram, or Snapchat. It's not just observing something, it's actually following something. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, it says this. For God called you to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example and what? You must follow in his steps. Say that again. You must follow in his steps. You could follow in his steps. Maybe you'll follow him. No, what does it say? You must follow in his steps. In other words, Jesus is the one that is our leader, that we are to follow, and we are to follow in his steps. Pastor Phil, why don't you come on up here? Pastor Phil, youth pastor here. Give it up for Pastor Phil. Pastor Phil oversees both campuses of youth ministry and uh, works with Bruce and uh, the team in Maple Grove as well. But uh, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to help me illustrate this, all right? So uh, I want, uh, I'm following you, okay? Now this is a little bit reverse order right now. I'm the lead pastor and he's the youth pastor. But for, just for the sake of illustration, to follow in steps, in someone's steps biblically, is to attempt to step where they st step. How many of you have seen little kids do that? They follow somebody and they're trying to jump and step around, don't step on the crack, you know, and all of that kind of thing, right? So they, they follow them. And literally, they're attempting to step wherever the person in front of them steps. If Phil is Jesus today, which for this moment you are Jesus, <laughs> I am attempting to follow in, literally in his steps. 
to do what he would do, to step where he steps. So go ahead and take some steps. I'll try to follow. Uh, I I lost it somewhere in there. All right. Okay. You guys get the point. Give it up for Pastor Phil. (laughs) So here's, here's my point today. If Jesus is to be our leader and we are to be his followers, then we're going to learn to step where he would step. He's our leader. So when we ask the question, where are you going? The answer is wherever Jesus is going. What's next in your life? Wherever Jesus is leading me in my life. What's going to happen next week? I don't know, but I'm going to be following Jesus when I get to that point. I'm following Jesus. There's a book written in 1896, first published called In His Steps. It's a classic worldwide, sold over 30 million copies And it was written by Charles Monroe Sheldon, a a pastor, who wrote this book based on this scripture in his steps. And he was asking the question of his Sunday night services as he wrote this book, In His Steps, What Would Jesus Do? Sheldon thought that he would write a story which would continue one chapter a week about various persons who applied the question, what would Jesus do to their individual lives? So I want you to take out those bracelets you were handed today. Some of you are like, I rejected that. I don't take bracelets from people. Sorry, get one on your way out. I'm not even asking you to wear it as much as I want you to see it. Okay? So you got these bracelets, all right? They say, WWJD. We're going old school today. But this is really what it was based on. It was based on Sheldon's book, In His Steps. And it was as if they were saying... When I get up tomorrow and go to school or go to work, wherever I'm going, the question would be asked, how would Jesus go to school? How would Jesus handle homework? Come on, somebody. (laughs) What would Jesus do with that person in my life that most bugs me? How would Jesus respond to the jerk who just cut me off in traffic? And it's as if it's a personal question asking... What would Jesus do? Because the principle is that if we are following in his steps, we're attempting to follow what Jesus would do. Now, the benefit of the disciples when they were on the earth is they got to observe and watch Jesus do a lot of different things. So it kind of became second nature about what he would think about something. So really... Your ability to know what Jesus would do is largely dependent on how much relationship that you have with him. That's why we want to spend time in the word. That's why we want to spend time in church worshiping because we want to fall in love with Jesus. The more you know him, the more you know what Jesus would do. So I'm not giving you a list of do's and don'ts and rules and this and that as much as I'm saying today that we need to ask the question of what would Jesus do as we learn to know him. And by the way, it's an excellent way to get to know Jesus. Because if you're asking the question on Tuesday morning and church is distant in your memory and you long since forgotten what the pastor preached about on Sunday and you look at your wrist and you see what would Jesus do, you have an opportunity to now have relationship with Jesus in your life outside the sanctuary. 
where you're asking, how would Jesus lead my business? How would Jesus make a decision about this? How would Jesus love my spouse when they said an unkind word to me? And you have an opportunity now in that moment to say, Jesus, what would you do? Then you get to know who he is. And in a sense, he begins to lead you. What if you approached your life and moved beyond belief into searching to discover what Jesus, your leader, would do in everyday life? No matter what stage of life you're in, no matter what you've gone through or you think disqualifies you from whatever, you can trust that Jesus still can be your leader even if you've messed up. How many are thankful that there have been moments that you've abandoned what Jesus would do and he still loved you? Right? So we're not, I'm not talking about law somehow that you got to be perfect as much as to recognize that everyone can follow Jesus. And since God is so wise and intricate and complex and diverse, there's no stage of life, no career crossroad, no relational dilemma, no empty well, burned out situation that we experience that he is incapable of leading us. He can lead you and I in every season of our journey. You could be 73 years old in here, having lived with Jesus for your whole life, and you are still not graduated from being a disciple. You have an opportunity now to say, Jesus, how do you want me to live? What would Jesus do as a 73-year-old? What would Jesus do as a 16-year-old? What would Jesus do as a recently divorced individual that doesn't know what to do with my life at this point? What would Jesus do with the business that I own? What would Jesus do? Now you have an opportunity for him to lead you and there is nothing that you're going through that he cannot lead you through come on somebody he can lead you through so the question is it can Jesus lead me it's am I following Jesus and will I follow Jesus see some are more likely to follow their gut or the Wall Street Journal or follow somebody else's advice than they are Jesus but hear me, Jesus can lead you if you're willing to follow. And if you're not, then Jesus is a leader with nobody following him. So you want to make Jesus a good leader by following him. So listen, to follow Jesus, you're going to come to crossroads. Luke chapter 9, verse 23, Jesus is talking to a room or a, a crowd of people who are considering whether or not to follow Jesus and it says this, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from yourself. Imagine if he said this and you wanted to follow him on Twitter. If any of you <laughs> wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. Take up your cross daily and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. He says that we are to follow him. If we're going to follow him, we've got to pick up our cross daily. In other words, we're at a crossroad, a point of decision about whether or not we're going to pick up a cross. And it's a daily thing. Now, this is an interesting thing. There's a cross behind me on the platform. That cross 
is something that represents the life of Jesus. Even last weekend, we talked about what Jesus did when he took death onto himself, won the ultimate victory in the grave, snatched the, the keys of death, hell in the grave, and holds them forevermore, resurrected from the dead, and he is our resurrection and the life. Amen? But the interesting thing about Jesus' statement here in Luke is, this is prior to the cross, Jesus says that you're going to have to pick up your own cross. I'm thankful that he hasn't asked me to pick up his, to take the sins of the whole world on me. But he does say, I want you to pick up a cross daily. This cross that he asks us to pick up is our assignment from him. I don't know what your cross is. I'm grateful that I don't have your cross, and I'm grateful that you don't have mine. I have to pick up my own cross every day, and I have a decision about whether or not I'm going to do it. And it's a prerequisite for whether or not I'm going to follow Jesus. In other words, I can't say, I don't want that cross. You know, many times we, we spend more time whining about our assignment in life. What we have, what we don't have, what people ripped us off from. We're whining all the time. And meanwhile, Jesus is saying, pick it up. Are we going to go to work today? Are we going to go to school today? Are we going to go about our business today? Because if you're going to follow me, you got to pick it up. Turn to the person next to you and say, pick it up. Huh. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you got to pick it up. you got to follow him. And it's not just a one-time belief thing. It's a daily thing. I have friends who have to take their medication every day or bad things will happen to them. Well, we got to pick up our cross every day or bad things are going to happen to us. See, every person who ever backslid or walked away from Jesus said no to Jesus at the crossroad. I've never met a person that said to me, I walked away from Jesus, that didn't have a point in their journey when they told Jesus no. Every day we have a choice of picking up the cross and saying yes to Jesus. Are we going to follow him and are we going to know him? It's the crossroad is the intersection of who I was and who I will be in Jesus. That's the crossroad. I remember talking to Dr. Anderson, president of North Central, about his job. And I was curious and I'm like, how do you put up with all the people that are jerks to you behind your back? And how do you put up with all these people with different opinions? He's got political pressure from multiple states and churches that have expectations from him, from faculty and from students, and the pressures of money and all of that. So how do you, how do you put up with that? And I was giving him an opportunity to whine. How many of you have people that give you opportunities to whine, right? And he said this to me. He said, Nate, I have chosen, I have chosen to bear the cross of the presidency of North Central University. The end of discussion. Because what he was saying is, all that may be true, and it might be a pain in the whatever, but I've chosen to embrace the cross and pick up my cross for where he's called me in this stage of my journey. Hear me today. It's time for you to embrace the cross of being a middle-aged person. And dealing with a new bulge <laughs> and a loss of hair and a frustration with the joint systems, right? <laughs> Pick it up. 
Let's go. Somebody's like, Pastor Nate's being mean to me today. Church is not good. So let me just, let me dial this into just practical. What do we do next? As we go into this series, we're going to go a little, a lot further. We're going to talk about the benefits of following Jesus, believing in him and what it does beyond just initial salvation. But the starting point and access to the benefits of Jesus are becoming a disciple of Jesus. So it starts with this. So how do you follow Jesus now and not just off or into the future? Let me give you a few things. One, shift your trust from one thing to another. Shift your trust from one thing to another. What I mean by that is that we have to learn that our life doesn't always change. We still got to get up in the morning. We still got to go about our business. And we still got people to meet with. That doesn't change. But in the middle of it, what are we trusting in? We need to learn to shift to something else. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I work out with Pastor David Nything and uh, Tim Sanders. And one of the things about Pastor David is he is a, he's really committed to working out and taking care of his body. And, uh, and then he's challenging me to somehow take the next step, right? And so one of the things that he's really been proud of, I think, is he's got me doing squats at the gym. Anybody know what squats are? Squats, you put this bar, this long bar, and it goes on your neck and back of your shoulder, and it's got weight on it. And the whole objective is, is to go down as far as you can without splitting your pants. And... <laughs> And to go down, and it works and energizes all the right muscles, and then you go down as far as you can, and then you come back up. That's a squat, okay? Now, one of the things that, as I started doing it, uh, this, this exercise, is that Pastor David would watch me, and he would say, okay, now remember to put your weight on your heels. Because, and, and, and that's just a, a kind of a way of, shifting weight away because when I'm leaning forward all the weight goes up on the balls of my feet and then I tend to bend my knees a little bit farther than I should and as my knees go out and I come down with the weight I might feel like I'm doing a squat but it's going to wreck my knees so what he's saying is, is I need to kind of lean back everybody said lean back, lean back. This is Kirk Franklin's having an effect on me tonight <laughs> so I I'm coming back and I'm leaning back a little bit for now the weight is up on my heels and as I go down I don't bend my knees as much and now I'm getting the true benefit of a squat what am I saying I'm saying life is a squat <laughs> but I also know this if you're going to get benefit from the everyday journey that you're on you have to learn in the middle of it to shift you still got the same responsibilities, but being a disciple of Jesus, beginning to go, Jesus, how would you handle this situation? I'm shifting back. Jesus, how would you handle all the stress of my bills, and how do I work through this? And you begin to form a relationship, picking up your cross in the middle of a, a squatting, if you will, so that you get benefit out of your days. Now, when I do it right, and when I do it, because I don't always do squats, but when I do, if I do it right, then I have energy for the rest of the day. If I don't do it correctly, then I'm feeling pain through the rest of my day. Are you hearing what I'm saying right now? 
If you want to get benefit out of your life in picking up the cross, then you have to shift your trust in Jesus in the middle of your struggle. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Secondly, verbalize your desire to follow Jesus. Verbalize your desire to become a disciple is another way of saying it. Where you say it out loud. You may need to remind yourself that you're a disciple of Jesus. You may need to look down at your wristband and go, oh, what would Jesus do? But you're saying, Jesus, teach me to follow you in my life. We need to verbalize it. Say it out loud. One of the things I know to be true is that when people give their life to Jesus, it's really important that they tell somebody out loud what they did. Because if they just did it in their head, in their heart, or they just did it in the middle of a crowd prayer, they go out into the parking lot and immediately the devil is whispering in their ear, it wasn't real, you were just in the moment, it wasn't something that was happening. But when you verbalize it to another person, that's why we have prayer teams that come up, and that's why as believers I tell you to turn to other people next to you and pray. When you say something outside, you're held accountable, and it becomes real at that moment. Friends, when it becomes to being a disciple, maybe we need to say out out loud, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. So that when the devil whispers in your ear and you got your hair explosion going on in the morning, looking in the mirror and you're wondering if he's real and you say it out loud and you are able to say, Jesus is my leader. I feel really bad about myself right now. I have no energy. I don't like how I look, but I'm going to follow Jesus today. You will find and discover that Jesus becomes your leader the moment you say it out loud. Hmm. Of course, there has to be a commitment. There has to be something that says I'm going to go in that direction. There was a pig and a chicken who were walking down the road. And they looked up and they saw a billboard displaying a beautiful breakfast. (laughs) Bacon and eggs. (laughs) And the chicken says, look, they're displaying our life's work. And the pig responds, that's easy for you to say because it is all a day's work for you. But for me, it's a lifetime commitment. (laughs) There's something about it being both today and for the future. Jesus, I'm all in. I'm following you. Doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it means that I'm going to follow you and I want to become like you. Luke chapter 6, verse 40 says, the student, Jesus did, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. So when I grow up, I want to be like Jesus. When I'm following him, I want to be like Jesus. The third thing is this, as I conclude. Follow Jesus from where you are now, and he'll take you on a wild and an epic journey. Our first commitment is to know him and to pursue him and to... to, develop our love for Jesus because he already loves us. And our relationship with Jesus will grow when we have a shared experience with him in an everyday level. And we invite him to join our daily life. Jesus offers a challenge that fits what he sees in us. 
He says, pick up your cross and follow me. In the process of picking up a cross every day at our crossroads, when we say, what would Jesus do? We're inviting him in to lead us through whatever he wants to. And as we follow him, our character and our vision and our passion and our purposes and the world around us all change to become like Jesus because he's our leader. In the coming weeks, we'll talk more about what it means to experience the freedom. Jesus said, you'll know the son, you'll know the truth, and the truth will what? Set you free. So as you follow him, you can begin to know the freedom. We'll talk more about that. But it all starts with right where you are. Put your phones down a moment. Look up this way. I want to challenge you this very week to not go, well, I'm not perfect, so I can't take, I can't start following Jesus. No, no, no. Where you are, you can start and say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you the best I can. And when I mess up, I'm going to ask you how to get out of it. <laughs> but I'm going to follow you directionally. And you can pause and you can say, lead me. Leading is an outward proclamation. I'm saying leading me to Jesus that you're ready to follow. And you're ready to step where he wants you to step. And then you go on a journey throughout a day and all, as you serve him and know him, you'll discover more and more what he wants and what he doesn't want. I mean, you're going to go through the drive-thru and you're going to be like, would Jesus get the salad or the french fries? <laughs> I don't want anybody to get all upset about that. It's not about being perfect or perfection, but it is about inviting him to join our everyday part of our journey. And when we do, we give him permission to lead us. How many want Jesus to be your leader? He alone can lead you through where you're going. Would you stand with me today?